This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD. Philadelphia, The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. Hour number two of The Labor Show. We're live and local on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and staying with us as we transition out of our number one J-Doc, which we recorded or earlier in the week, a labor leaders or a labor union spotlight uh, with DC 33. Great show. Great to be out there earlier uh, in the week. And this expansion, J-Doc, has created a great opportunity for us to do the road tour uh, of all of the great unions that make up the region. Absolutely. It was a fantastic being with Frank Albert and Omar Salam, and, and uh, certainly we, we, uh, we missed Ernest Garrett, but we're certainly going to be revisiting that union and District Council 33. Fantastic show. Great, great leadership. And like you said, the, uh, the tour of the unions, man, it's, it's been exciting, and I uh, can't wait to continue it. All good things, J-Doc, come full circle in life, and we've got a big, full, big, great announcement that we're uh, going to uh, lay out for uh, the listening audience. Before we do, I did see a post on uh, Facebook earlier today, and I did want to take a moment uh, to uh, send out a big shout-out uh, and a big um, a big celebratory cheer uh, to Liz Eiding, who has finally um, decided that she's going to enjoy the fruits of all her labor absolutely being at the philadelphia building trades for i think 36 years john doherty posted it on facebook uh happy happy retirement to liz and and certainly well deserved and thanks for all your commitment and all your efforts over the years uh, uh towards working people j doc when i get to that point where i say that i have officially retired mm-hmm. i look forward to sitting on the front porch in cape may oh yes yeah. on a rock chair uh reading the newspaper is that an inevitable reality probably not yeah with the the beverage no doubt absolutely and and, you know speaking of major announcements i've been excited about this all day um we we uh are are ecstatic to to announce that john doherty is going to be with us every week now for uh, for the featured second hour the broadcast the john doherty hour on the labor show uh could not be uh, more excited, feel like we got the band together, back together, and um, can't wait till we actually get back in the studio so we can also restart the tours of all the fooderies around the Delaware Valley. And so without further ado, uh, John, welcome back, my friend, on a regular basis. What's up, guys? Can't wait to be there all the time. I'm going to tell you, when we had a lot of fun in the studio, you know, we got a lot of good... Uh 
announcements in. We, we broke some stories. We, we talked about some good food. We talked some good sports. We had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it again. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I was on my toes every week coming in. Um, it's almost like Bruce Springsteen, I'd say. So if you, you talk to Bruce, you, you watch you know, YouTube, you watch his band, everybody's on their toes because you never know what direction John's going to go. And I used to go, I used to be sitting there going, please, 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 let me, let me have an idea. Let me, let me do some good input. But it's, 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 it's great radio, great information, great leadership, and uh, just a great experience for us all. So, John, uh, welcome back on a regular basis, and we are ecstatic to have you, our friend. Um, Joe Krause and Joe Doc's apprentice, and I'll always be that. You guys, taught, <laughs> you, guys, you, guys, you guys taught me how to speak into a mic, I tell you, you know, it was pretty good. But it was a great, I'll tell you what, we had a lot of fun, we broke a lot of stories, you know, we talked about the labor community, and like your, your first hour, you know, District Council 33, you know, Frank and Omar are great leaders, they took over from Pete Matthews, who I've had good relationships with, he took over from Jimmy Sutton the way years ago. These are guys who do, and literally, quote unquote, some of the dirtiest jobs in the city. Okay, Absolutely. and they're, they're the guys that are going to be counted on. You know, every report I see says uh, there's a better than ninety percent chance the city gets eight inches of snow. Okay, these guys will be out in their trucks with plows as well as taking taking up the sanitation and everything else. I mean, so there's a lot of guys there, and they don't get paid a lot of money for the job they do. And if you take a look. In a lot of ways, they're ambassadors. You know, I don't know how other people feel, but the guys who have been the sanitation workers on Moyamensing Avenue in South Philadelphia, you know, a lot of them are the same guys for the last few years. You know, and uh, you know they were always good, always. I mean, just and especially what I always liked there's just that Philadelphia feel. You know, you know what I mean, Joe. When sure. you grow up, when you grow up in this town, I mean, yeah, you, you, I don't know anybody that hasn't let given a seat to an older woman in church or on a public transportation or whatever. And these guys, I live on a block. I always like to joke, the only thing older than my neighbors are the trees, okay? And the and just the people, I watch them, you know, rush to take trash bags out of somebody's hand, you know, take whatever they can take and put it in the, in the trucks so they didn't have to move. And I'm just glad that, you know, the, the membership is being represented well again. You know, and that's decades of good leadership. Absolutely, and John. Here's a saying. I want. Here's like a quiz. I want. I want to bring up. I want you to know if you can tell me who said this. This is important. The best way to never forget where you came from is to never leave. I've been saying that since nineteen since nineteen ninety. First time I read it. And I heard you say it. I thought, oh, I'm never, ever going to forget that. I myself live two doors down from the house that I uh, grew up in in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in, in East Falls. And um, so I can obviously relate. John, as we start off the broadcast, we got a lot to talk about. Um, first of all, I'd like you to elaborate a little bit. There was something in the news about our, our, our great councilman, Bobby Heenan, if you would. Touch base on that. Well, I'll tell you what, you'd never start off with an easy one. I have to tell you, if people want to question the credibility of this show, every week you start off with something a little bit, just a tad controversial, but I like that. Uh, now, Bobby Heaton, there was a story that, you know, his family got uh, uh, the COVID test by the outfit that's, um, I'm drawing a blank on the name right now, the outfit that does, uh, uh, just did the city's testing, and uh, they somehow, Bobby got the test at home. And somebody called me up about it, and I had not heard about it, nor did it pay much attention to it. And, and the one thing I said without knowing the story 
as I said, people have to know that, you know, Bobby's a cancer survivor. Bobby's wife is now going through a battle with cancer. You know, I know his kids are away at college. So I would imagine, you know, and afterwards I found out that Bobby paid for it and went down, it was closed, and somebody he knew came back. Now, perception-wise, that looks terrible. But you know what? Reality, nobody has done more during this pandemic. But you want to talk about Facebook? Go on Bobby's Facebook. He's out six nights a week feeding families and doing things in this community. Now, he's kind of caught up in, you know, people being a little upset with the whole vaccine vaccine process. You know, and, and, and that's not my, you know, that's not, I want everybody in Philly to get vaccine. I want everybody uh, vaccinated. I want everybody in Philadelphia to have a mask. I want everybody to keep social. And that's been my message. But as it pertains to, you know, Bobby's role, you know, he, he's done a really good job at taking his specific councilmatic district and feeding it and keeping it safe and doing as much as he can. You know, uh, perception uh, didn't look good on that specifics, but, you know, I mean, here's a guy that you, you don't know the whole story, and I would imagine there's not one person that listens to your call that wouldn't want two people that either had cancer or fighting cancer to get, get a vaccine. Now, you know, of course, I'm tainted. I think he does a great job. I also think that, you know, in the city, you know, it's always, there's always going to be a black and white issue. We know that. It's a shame. It's just reality. Again, it's, it's not, you know, in perception. And, you know, he's caught up in some battles, this outfit. You know, I don't know much about them, but I do know that you have uh, the Black Doctors Consortium is, has done a fabulous job. A lot of people were annoyed that they didn't have a bigger piece, in, you know, because represented every community. I know that Bobby had some relationship with these guys because Bobby does a nice job at whatever works for his community. He works it. And uh, he's a great councilman. And, uh, again, I think if you asked Bobby, he wouldn't have done it that way. But, again, you know, there's nobody in this city that had two people with cancer that they don't want to see them get vaccinated. Perception and reality always, it seems, uh, very, very uh, different. Uh, Hour number two uh, with John Doherty uh, on the Labor Show. Uh, Thrilled to have uh, J.D. back in the the big chair. Uh, J. Doc will take our first commercial break. We'll um, cover a lot of ground on the other side back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, Iron Workers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ District 1201. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll veto it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. Back here live on the Labor Show with John Doherty, Jay Doc and Krause, live on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, uh, guaranteed to fulfill uh, your expectation of very direct, very defined information uh, and, uh, and reality, uh, not perception. That I can guarantee, uh, Jay Doc, as John Doc John Doherty uh, joins us out of the box here on a Saturday night in hour number two. Uh, Doc, uh, from your last uh, visit uh, on the show, um, when uh, we had the opportunity to spend uh, the hour, we covered a lot of ground. We're going to continue uh, to cover uh, more ground uh, tonight and each and every week. Um, that we're here in hour number two, J-Doc, we're going to cover um, 
the information that's relevant, it's an real, insider's look, and, and 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 it's you're right. It's an insider's you know, look. It's an insider's look, and, and and we can't we can't get that. We can't even get that. So we're ecstatic, obviously, to have Doc talk about those issues that are up to the minute. Doc, let's 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 talk a little bit uh, about the tax code changes. Um, I know that they're important to you, and you want to discuss them. What's on your mind? Well, we're going to talk about it, at least touch a minute on it each week because it is that important. It's the one thing that can happen that can give working people a significant raise on impact. You know, it, the, the tax bill of 217 eliminated the duc- deduction for, you know, a whole bunch of things, first responders, truck drivers, as well as construction workers. And, you know, the, the, and Senator Casey, after having a lot of communication with the building trades, you know, presented the Tax Fairness for Workers Act. And it's something that, you know, I've been talking about for, you know, ever since we lost the, the checkoff. And I just wanted to make sure that each week our guys understand we're going to be doing everything in our power to get that tax code changed. And there's, you know, I think we're in a pretty good position because during the week we have had a lot of communication. I mentioned to you that, you know, I have Congressman Boyle as well as Senator Casey uh, and in fact, I was supposed to, depending on the snow, I was supposed to meet with Congressman Boyle to go over a couple issues this week. That being the number one concern. And we have, a, we have a great young guy who works with us, Mike Oscar, I mentioned. And Mike and myself were doing a lot of communication this week, primarily with Senator Casey's office. And as you would imagine, he's in overload right now with all the things that are going on. You know, but it was funny. We, we got some questioning, and Secretary Ellen, who, who will have a significant role here, we were looking at some of a couple times they were doing some checks and balances between herself and the Senate, you know, a while ago. And Senator Casey asked her about the Fairness for Workers Act. And her comments were outstanding, you know. And uh, actually, I have them here, if you don't mind. Sure. She said, one of the guiding principles of President Biden's tax plan is that the tax code should reward work and not wealth. If confirmed, I look forward to learning more about the proposal and working with Senator Casey's office on the issue. I'd also look forward to working with you and other members of Congress to advance proposals to strengthen worker organizing, collective bargaining, and union. Now, let me tell you, if President Biden's administration looks like that, sounds like that, that workers are in a great position. And it's not... I told you before, we're not asking anybody to do our job. We're, we're just asking people to give us our tools back so we can do our job. And Absolutely. that is a tremendous, and there's, and there's, so that is a tremendous week. And again, you know, and that's just, I want to keep that up. So I want to let you know, anybody who's a worker out there, I don't care if it's District Council 33, you know, the police or firefighters or anybody in the building trades. And you know, Joe, for years, you know, everything we do, you know, they say high tide, you know, raises all boats. Yep. Okay, we've been even the non-union worker out there. We raise the rates, we raise the benefits, we raise all these opportunities. You know, everybody will get the ability that that joins any organization that, or anything that you know helps them get better at their trade or keep them safer or better clothing. Then things will all become tax deductible again. You know, so I mean, we're on the right side there. Uh, we've always been. You know, we, we lost out. You know, work lost out the wealth, but obviously. You know, Secretary Yellen has uh, has a different twist, and that's a twist I'd like to hear. John, do you have a uh, an idea of when that, if that could come to fruition? And what's your goal? No, but no, but I'll tell you what: this radio show and the people mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, 
and your Philadelphia building trades leadership and business managers will definitely keep you informed because we'll definitely be part of it. We're not going to stop till it becomes, you know, a change again. And I believe, you know, as you as you just heard, that we have enough people to believe like we do. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And I just think it's something that, you know, it's an immediate check off for people. You know, it, it changes the whole tax tax uh, return. And, and at the end of the day, you know, it's something I remember when we lost it. It was a devastating loss. It was running, like we talked about before, a perk that we could enjoy. Uh, and obviously working people uh, don't get those opportunities often. It's so awesome to have it back on the table and back in, in, in our sites. And obviously we appreciate your, uh, you know, your, your vision there because, quite frankly, um, you know, before you started, you know, putting it back on the table, I never thought we were going to get it back so that's awesome, um, and 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 so we're going to talk about that every week. Progress updates, all those things. John Doherty, I know we're bouncing around tonight, John, but I've got to ask you. My heart is is bleeding still for the workers who now find themselves um, not working anymore, and, and, and I'm talking about the workers from the refinery. Um, I see the stories bleeding over the Keystone Pipeline. I see all of these, I call them veterans because they've been at their craft for so long. And I feel helpless, John, um, about it. Now, I don't know, I don't have a question. It's just a comment from me. But I know that um, you may have a thought on it. What's your thought? Help me make some sense out of it. It's a very complicated issue, and I'm going to give you what's going to come across as inside baseball, but it's basically the only conversation that's going on. You have some of the, when I tell you, and it sounds like a recording, but the best and the brightest leadership in the U.A. right here. You guys remember Anthony Gallagher, okay, he was preceded by Marty Mataloni. Marty Mataloni was from Packer Park, wound up being the international president. Left Philadelphia to become the international president. Anthony Gallagher was in town only for a few years. He went down there and he's the head of construction for the U.A. So, I mean, you know, the talent that we have in Philadelphia is amazing. You know, and I think that it's the, the work ethic. It's growing up in the neighborhoods. It's always having to be on your toes. You know, you know I got to tell you guys. You know, you, if you have two different socks on, it takes about two minutes for somebody to pick it up, okay, in your neighborhood, and, get, and then you get made fun of for the next 15 hours, okay? But, uh, but we have some really good, bright people inside. You have a guy by the name of John Bland who represents the Boilermakers, who is legitimately not a politician, and I'm not a fraud. He's just a Boilermaker, and he represents the Boilermakers. Then you got a guy by the name of Jim Snow, who's on the show quite often, mm-hmm. very articulate. Okay, and a great spokesman for the labor community. Uh, he followed up Anthony. They were best of friends. They played outfield and football together up at Bonner. Uh, Jimmy and them guys, they probably have 30% unemployment today, and that 30% would be people that would be working in the fossil fuel industry, primarily the refineries downtown. Okay, now there's a change going on. Now, we have, we have a Zoom meeting with the leadership of Hilco, Philco, when they came into town, they gave us a whole song and a dance about what they were going to do. Okay, and uh, so far, they haven't met any of, okay, the goals or things that they mentioned us. In fact, they gave me a great 
presentation how there was an uh, a clean energy initiative in um, in Salt Lake City and how there was something down in Austin, Texas, and we were looking to put that down to the South Philadelphia, you know, the Hillco refinery, the old refinery. And my understanding is now they will have nothing of the sort. Hmm. So that changes the conversation. Now, you also have a the gas, the Philadelphia gas has a liquid natural gas proposal that's been pending for a while. And that's on hold. And that is a big, you know, clean energy job initiative. And then there's always been discussions about chillers and better known as crackers and have big ones going up. And they're all modernized. They're all, when I say modernized, they're, they're, they're put in positions where there's so many hurdles to jump. Everybody understands, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that, you know, GM said that uh, they're going to be by, you know, 2035, you know, all clean emissions. And most of these facilities are, you know, clean emission type facilities that create a lot of work. So they're always on the tip of my tongue. As you can tell, I mean, I'm always lobbying the gas works, okay, for the liquid natural gas. I'm always lobbying, you know, Hilco to do something that is, you know, world-renowned and, and be a cutting edge, but also keep people working, as well as, you know, some big initiatives, the, the crackers and things like that. And you know, we put, and again, the work we did up at Marcus Hook, I, I, I love saying it because the job was a perfect installation for all intents and purposes compared to what people are accustomed. And the outfit we did the business for was not a union-friendly outfit when they came into town. It's just they didn't have tons of history with unions. When they left, they have a whole different perception. A perfect installation on 7.2 million hours of work on that specific job. Okay. Again, liquid natural gas and a lot of other gases. When they backed up the first ship to Norway, the people said they never had a fitting like that. What that meant is the distribution of the, of the gas into the ship. Okay. And there was no accidents on the job. So for that many hours, they had like three things. One was a wedding band, another was a sprained ankle, and another was a, a golf cart transporting somebody around. I mean, minimal, nothing, no lost time. So a perfect installation with no lost hours, where tons of money went to school districts, tons of money went to city, state, and federal taxes, tons of money went to things like roast beef and CYOs and you know soccer programs and Little League Baseball. So... There are a lot of opportunities out there. We just can't be paralyzed or scared away because they're not on the tip of everybody's tongue. And I have to let you know, we're not against clean energy. You know, prior to your show tonight, the, you know, there's a, a kid who works for one of the, the green energy uh, initiatives. I mean, she writes a lot, so her name's Mindy Eiser. She sends me all kinds of stuff, and I was exchanging back and forth. Her last piece said that there's possibly 240-some thousand jobs. If you read the article thoroughly, it actually says that they're so far away from matching the numbers that people were accustomed to making in the fossil fuel industry. And the, the article goes on to say that they need unions, okay, they need representation, you know, so that they can level off some of the wages and, you know, there's great opportunities for people to make money. And it's the way of the world. But there's also a transition period. And some people forgot about that. You know, when they shut the Navy Yard, you know, they had, that's when they created the workforce development, you know, boards and things like that. And I was around. I watched, you know, Congressman Foglietta, you know, and people like that, make sure that everybody had a job in an industry, 
you know, get another opportunity to get a decent job. We'll put money in other uh, locations where these people who had them jobs could go to work. So that's what we're looking for. And again, Krause, I, I love you and Joey for just being the way you are and understanding that, you know, I mean, you're not afraid to talk about that. You're not afraid to talk about the 3,000 people that lost their jobs or the fact that the boilermaker hasn't had, you know, two people working, uh, had as many people working in Pennsylvania as he does out on the West Coast, up in Alaska and places like that now. And, and you, John, okay. you make a great... You make a great point when you talk about John Bland and and Jimmy Snell being major advocates for their memberships and right in the middle of this. I know it's tough for everybody. I know we're all working hard at it. And, and, you know, the environmentalist issue, one of the things Krause and I had the opportunity to talk to both of those guys about is, like you said, um, as much as there's a workforce involved and uh, they they care about the uh, environment also. So do the workers. So I know we're all working on this, and, and uh, I know it's hitting everybody hard, but I think, our, I think our hearts are all, and our minds and our priorities are all in the right direction. So hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make some progress. The Labor Show with J. Doc Krause and John Doherty rolls on after the break. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here live on The Labor Show with J. Doc Krause and John Doherty as we come to you live tonight on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. J. Doc, as you said when we uh, came on live with uh, hour number two and our uh, big announcement where you um, uh, led the listener through the process of the band being back together, I guess really the only thing that has changed... I know since what you're when, say. since when, when John Doherty was in the big chair and we were in the studio at Fourth and Market and uh, and we fast forward today and what are the really the only things that has changed about this show is that you somehow managed to move your name to the top of the billing um, as soon well, as we right. went to two hours right but hold on for a second <laughs> so I knew as soon as John came back on I'd be right? dro- hold on I'd be dropping down the list again I know I'm, but guess what if I'm taking second fiddle. Yeah. I, there's nobody better than John Doherty. Uh, John, having said that, by the way, he's been busting them on me <laughs> since we renamed the show, John. So I'm, I can't believe I let that happen, but you caught me at a weak moment. Wow. And you know what? I'd rather it be that way <laughs> uh, than not. So congrats, Jada. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> um, so having said that, um, John, let's talk a little bit about um, you know some of the things going on in Philadelphia, the healthcare market, expansion of Jefferson, um, I know that's a big deal uh, to you. If you'd elaborate. Well, it's, it's on that East Market Street piece. It's the last piece there. You know, I, God, I talked about East Market Street development on the show early on. You know, the, uh, Union Pension Funds, we lobbied uh, a better part of six or seven years to, to turn East Market into what it is today, and I think it's going to explode after COVID. And I've had conversation, and, and it's funny, I I like, you know, I got not one, but two people said, are you guys going to be taking calls? Right. And one of them's a high ranking elected official said, hey, look, I'll call into the show. You know, and I'm laughing. So you guys will have to figure out what you want to do with this hour. Well, well but, before uh, you go any foot, John, you know, what's amazing about And Joe Krause, I was like, the, the amazing thing about John Doherty, besides, you know, so many things is, John, you're the only guy when Joe Krause and I book guests. 
We, we book him out a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, okay? John can come into the studio at 5 or 7, and the highest profile, most influential people in the state of Pennsylvania and beyond get a call and go, yo, I need you to call in in five minutes. And in five minutes, the phone rings. <laughs> so uh, just, just a point of information. Go ahead, John. Well, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's one of the governor's people. He asked me, he said, are you guys going to be taking calls? You know, he, he wasn't looking for himself. I imagine it was just for the governor, people like that. So that'd be sure. fun. We'll see, what, we'll see what the topic of the day is. But All back right. to the East Market Street. You know, I actually had a conversation with our mayor this week because there's a couple parcels left. You have 13th and Market, you know, which is a developer actually has, which would be able to go up quicker than if you have to do an RP process for something. But uh, and at 8th and Market, which is also privately owned, you know, we got two pieces we have to do something with. I would like to see maybe the city do something that automates and stores their data. And especially, you know, I'm not sure the city needs all them big buildings anymore, like the MSB building across the street. I think they need a building that, you know, is really concise. You know, there's going to be more people working from home. And uh, it'll probably be, you know, sad to say, a smaller workforce because technology has run, you know, run them up since COVID. You know, I know myself, I know our guys, you know, we do way more things by Zoom and less meetings and less dinners and less, you know, things like that. But, you know, I was talking to the mayor about the consolidation of all his facilities, you know, data and, you know, uh, people in a building or two. You know, let's modernize it. Let's make it something special. And then he can turn some of these other places into, you know, we, we need some more aerial living, you know, uh, spots. We have you know, stuff on the waterfront up at the Schuylkill. you got a couple of beautiful buildings going up there right now. But there's always a need for center city living, you know, and that's how you can increase the population to start anyway and the tax base. But I'm also looking at the Market because we need to, you know, we need to revitalize the hospitality industry. You know, I was involved with it the last time we did it. We made all the contractual changes, but we're going to need, you know, last week we discussed trying to make it a gaming mecca. You know, and you notice it actually got some, you know, uh, ink Press. in one of the newspapers, you I know, because you know, cause we were discussing it. And that's what the show does. Everybody pays attention to it. Uh, but, you know, we're looking at the eighth and market piece. There's some recommendations, there's some ideas, you know, and uh, we've got to take a look. We're going to be finishing up the East Market piece as we know it, the National Real Estate piece, with about a 700 to $800 million building that Thomas Jefferson is going to have everything in there. It's going to be super cutting edge. You know, there's going to be research. There's going to be opera. It's going to be everything. The place, you know, is going to be another, you know, another uh, hats off to Philadelphia and the unbelievable, you know, medicine and hospitals that we have here. So it's a beautiful place. It's going up now. The uh, demolition of the building went off perfect. The, the cleaning up and the construction's on its way. And it's a, it's a joint effort between Driscoll and Hunter Roberts, two good union contractors. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's something that'll go up quick. And it'll go up, it'll go up safe. And, again, the product inside, you know, it was almost a billion dollars worth of construction and, and uh, equipment. And when you put that type of product in the middle of Center City, you know, Philadelphia, it creates a lot of, you know, life, and it creates a lot of opportunity for people to work. Uh, uh, John, you saw, I mean, University City. I hadn't been down there. Uh, obviously, as an iron worker, I worked down there plenty. But, um, and of course, you know, being in Philadelphia, I've been to Penn Planeta. But there was a, a period of about a year or two where I hadn't been down there. And if anybody has not been down to, into University City with the development of the University of Pennsylvania Hospital and everything they got going down there, um, it, it looks like an entirely uh, it, 
different city and a city unto itself. So uh, medicine in the city of Philadelphia is, uh, you know, is, is an un- unbelievable, an unbelievable development. And certainly it's great to hear that Jefferson, which is our other big dog in the city, um, is also development. Not many cities like the city of Philadelphia. I'm a big Steve Clasco fan. I mean, you know, some of his critics will say he, he got too big too quick. Okay. I just read a piece he put in one of Thomas Jefferson magazines, and he talked about a pandemic of 2030 and what we can learn from 2020. I mean, that guy's always thinking. He's always got a different opinion. He's always looking to increase productivity, you know, and, and uh, you know, he, my relationship with him in our industry has been awesome. He's someone who respects what we do. And, uh, you know, he's definitely a union guy when, when it comes to our industry. Now, last week, John, we were talking about um, the misclassification of workers. And we got some calls on that and, and, and uh, you know, wanted to kind of revisit it uh, for a couple minutes before we go to the break. Because, um, uh, you know, people didn't really understand exactly what it is. Um, could you kind of define that in, in regards to what happens to workers and what happens when employers misclassify um, individuals that are working for them, employees, if you will? Well, it's always easier in city, state, and federal work. There are works that have prevailing wages attached to them and in most cases require certified payroll. Some private places, you know, represent, they want to know what they're paying for too, so they say, okay, write down who you are, who you are and what, what's your specific role. Well, on certified payroll, you know, people could be doing electrical work or they could be doing fitter work, and then they just put them down as a laborer. Okay, or, and the difference in wages could be, you know, $15, $16, $17. And everybody knows that they're, you know, doing high voltage. So, you know, the minute you put that down in writing, you know, it's a problem. And there's a million other issues. And, I mean, from everything from, uh, how about just not telling, you know, reporting the person by his name or having them work 40 hours on the books and 16 hours off the books or, there's a, or having people that, you know, again, they show up on the job and you hand them a union ticket, you pull out of your pocket, you have like 50 in your pocket and you charge for it, you know, and say, oh, you work on this job. There's a million different angles. And again, it's easy enough. The misclassification, you know, has basically always been the grounds for most of the Federal False Claims Act. We just never had, even our friends, and what I say our friends are people who grew up in our industry and understood what we were talking about. Some of the other people say, well, I really don't understand. Even our friends would say, well, it's really not worth it. It could cost us, you know, a million dollars to pick up 30 grand. No, no, no. You know, you got to think of all the people that have been abused. You got to think about all the back pay. You got to think about the precedent and the fact that, you know, if they're doing it on a, you know, a 12 story building today, they're going to do it on a 50 story building tomorrow. And again, we've, we've handed over boxes and boxes. You know, one specific case, we, a gentleman by the name of Brian Grady, you know, he works for John Elliott. Now, Brian uh, handed over 16 boxes to two or three agencies of a, not only a story, but what I'd like to say a cartel, okay, of deception and greed and abuse of worker. Okay, we got no response. Since, you know, Jack up in, in Delaware County, our new DA, 
since he got up and made a move, everybody's discussing it. You know, my lawyers, our lawyers have got calls this week on cases that have been pending saying, hey, you know, because I was on the radio saying, hey, we got 10 in Montgomery County. We got a few in Philadelphia County. We got a few up in Chester County. So we got cases everywhere, you know, that where we can prove, okay, that people cheated the system by a lot. So, so it was great move. You know, the district attorney, again, he's the first legitimate elected person who did something of that high profile since Ernie Priya. And most people listening to this call don't even know who he is. That's how long ago it was. John Doherty with us on The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause on a Saturday night. We're live here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, uh, the first of many live shows uh, in our future. Glad to have John Doherty uh, back with us. Our number two uh, of The Labor Show, as you all know now, The, sh- the Labor Show uh, every Saturday night, uh, two hours beginning at 6 o'clock, 6 to 7, 7 to 8 with John Doherty. We'll get to a commercial break. We'll finish up on the other side back in a moment portions of tonight's edition of the labor show with j doc and krause are presented by dc 33 local 1637 news guild 10 and ibew local 98 choose an ibew local 98 union contractor when planning your next project Back here live on The Labor Show with John Doherty here on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Quickly, J-Doc, two things to reference throughout the last two hours, all week, every week leading up into the month of April, the return of the All-Star Labor Classic, the greatest fundraising event ever created uh, now in its 34th year it'll be held at Germantown Academy more as we get much closer to that but you know me I'm super excited oh, yeah. uh, about the return uh, of the uh, all-star labor classic and lastly I do want to point out our labor leader roundtable shows on location at the Senesta Hotel our first one will resume the week after the All-Star Labor Classic uh, in April. So I'm glad to be going back to the Sinesta again. Absolutely. Um, and we're excited about both of those things. John, um, there's, a, uh, there's been a billion-dollar announcement at Local 98. Billion. That's billion would it be. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, I think we touched on it last week. Remind us what that is because it's quite amazing. Yeah, we had, I actually, since the last time we were together, I think right after the show, I sent out a, uh, you know, a email to the membership, and we have 85% of our members, we have their email addresses. So, you know, we communicate a lot through that. And I sent them just announcing that, you know, in the last month, for one of the retirement funds, which is solely a, a uh, uh, deferred income, is uh, just went over $1 billion. That is solely the that is solely the members' money. Okay, the percentage of operation expenses is like one percent, which is like half of the norm. That's we got a, we got a president up there, Brian Burrows. He's one of the lowest, quietest guys around, lowest key guys around, and uh, he's done a fabulous job. It's just like one percent on that type of money is like ten million dollars. So by him being that effective and that good, he saves our membership and increases that fund by ten million dollars. It's a one billion dollar fund. It's one of the three pensions that the the guys have, you know, and girls have up at local ninety eight. And it was a great achievement. It's solely, a, you know, it's a percentage check that they get over their pay, and it's been it's been set set aside. And 
it's uh, self-controlled. It's amazing. It's a great fund, and uh, you know, and, uh, and I was really proud of it. Hey, why, why are we doing that? Can I touch on two quick things? You mentioned Liz Eiding. Liz mm-hmm. has been up at Building Trades for over 36 years. Yep. She's been great. She's been great for me. She's done a great job. That's Pat Eiding's wife, but she was she was Liz O'Neill long before she was Pat Eiding's wife, and she was synonymous in her own way with the Building Trades. She's been through Tom McGran, Ralphie Williams of the legendary Williams family. That's Jimmy Williams' brother. Pat Gillespie, who's my mentor, and she got me down the stretch. She's done a great job. She's still a young woman. I'm so glad she's, you know, going to retire. And uh, we've got Kelly Willis, who's going to fill the void up there. And she's just, they did a really, really good job. You know, and they're just good people. You know? Awesome. Well, well, I mean, obviously, we congratulated Liz and, and for all of her service. And, and we saw your, your announcement in, in on Facebook, obviously. Uh, just cheers. real quick, J-Doc, let me... Let me slow everybody down for just a second. You know me. I'm always talking about theater of the mind. Yeah. I want everyone listening to, 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 to consume and understand that story. One billion dollars. Yeah. All owned and going to the members. Think about that. That's an amazing, amazing story. I don't know if you'll read about that on the front page, but the magnitude and the impact on the lives of those workers and members of IBW, I think it's incredible. Well, what I love about it also is that, you know, you're talking about uh, the the International Brother of Electrical Workers um, and, you know, a construction trade, okay? And it's just an example of... Uh, the magnitude of uh, what our unions uh, can achieve. And, of course, under the direction of John, um, it's such a great achievement. And it, it, it also tells, tells me if I'm a young person uh, getting out of high school or making a decision what I want to do with my life, you want to talk about a viable opportunity? Man, that says it all right there. No so um, well done there. And, and, and John, um, want to segue on an issue um, that's a little personal. Got four minutes, John. Okay. Or J-Dog. Um, there's, there's been a, 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 a changing of the U.S. of the U.S. attorney. Um, and how does that affect you in, in your situation? Well, you started out <laughs> with a good question, and you always end with one. And, again, the credibility of the show is high, man. You guys ask good questions. Uh, personally, it doesn't really matter. Okay, uh, you know, there's always, there's always a, there was a change in, in the press release, the, the outgoing U.S. attorney, uh, the, the, the they announced on the way out the door that you know some of his, his glowing achievements were, you know, uh, coming after Bobby Heenan, Kenyatta Johnson, and myself. You know, I would have respected it more if it would have locked up three drug dealers and five drug guys, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, but it goes to show you that them jobs have a bunch of politics to them. And, and then there was a press release out by our, our new, uh, acting U S attorney that if you would have crossed my name out, you would have probably thought that I was Al Capone when you got done reading the press release, you know, and that, so that's always concerning, especially with little things like, and I, this is really inside baseball. And I usually don't talk about this, you know, because every time I mention it on the show, I either grab another subpoena or somebody calls my lawyer and says, oh, tell them to be careful, you know, from the U.S. Attorney's Office. So, uh, but this is interesting because I never said this, but think about it. The people who get 
put in positions, okay? And this is something that Democrats do, you know, and it's the guild of the Democrats. We put Democrats in, and because I might have made a contribution, okay, they say that they can't stay, and they excuse themselves from the cases. Now, if you get somebody else, a Republican, for example, the acting U.S. attorney, her, her husband ran for Congress, and of course, you know, as a Republican, and I, either myself or the IBW were on the other side, okay, and they, so the people who we support abstain and separate themselves, and the people we run against, they sit there and act on us. So, you know, I, so there should be something that says basically you can't be political. So maybe if you're a U.S. attorney or an attorney general or Supreme Court justice, that when you're done, you can't run for elected office for a couple of years, three years or so. You know, and in particular, it's funny, and I'll, I'll end with this note. For years, you know, the acting U.S. attorney right now, her father was a brilliant man and a great attorney. When I started out, you know, at Local 98 and you talk about them funds, you know, our law firm was Wolf Block and Shore. And her dad was there, and he was brilliant. In fact, I think he was the head of the whole law firm. Then he went over to Ballard's Bar, and then he was really good friends with one of my good friends, a gentleman by the name of Arthur McAdott, who was a real deal, an unbelievable lawyer. And on more than one occasion, I was put in phone conferences with Arthur and Steve, and we had conversation about construction and my understanding of construction, you know, and labor management, because that was, you know, one of the expertise of the two of them. So it's, it's always awkward. So to answer your question, I don't really know. I don't think it matters who and where. I only wish that people who have them positions, okay, are not paralyzed by politics and don't look at, you know, somebody, you know, like myself is the, you know, the big fish in the sea. But again, you know, doing your radio shows don't help me. But again, if I don't do the show, you know, I can't convince the next young guy that it's worth going there because he's the next guy who's going to put a billion dollars in the pockets of his members. Well done, well stated. John Doherty joining us for the full hour uh, tonight on The Labor Show. Jay Doc, I'll give you 30 seconds to uh, wrap, and then we'll officially say goodbye to John until next week. Uh, uh, John, I cannot uh, obviously <clears throat> tell you how um, obviously we, we how much we appreciate your frankness. Um, I think that the people listening in every Saturday night can look forward to not only an insider's look, but the ultimate insider's look at everything that's going on, everything, labor, politics, um, whatever's going on, and we can't wait to do it every week. So there you go. One billion dollars. Think about that. Stay, stay safe in the snow this week. John Doherty, thank you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bro. That's going to do it for this edition of The Labor Show with John Doherty. J-Doc and Krause here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. As we say goodbye on this Saturday night, again, the All-Star Labor Classic coming up in April, the 34th annual All-Star Labor Classic. Over $3 million raised and given away 100% of the dollars raised. On behalf of everybody tuning in tonight, on behalf of John Doherty, on behalf of my co-host Jay Doc, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Or
portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communication Workers of America, and AFSME Local 1739, DC 47. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.